almost everybody who goes to the negotiations goes there to protect their economic positions. They do not go there to prevent dangerous climate change. The situation really is getting quite alarming. Climate change is already dangerous for millions of people around the world, and we are heading towards extremely dangerous climate change. So uh, our view is that um, they aren't going to do it, what needs to be done at the UNFCCC. I mean, a, a lot of climate change sceptics are saying that the COP21 talks are a waste of time and money. Would you agree with them, and, and where would be the point of departure for you? Governments are not going into those talks with the climate in mind. They're going into those talks protecting their economy. For example, the South Africans will go in um, with the idea in the background that we've still got lots of coal and we should be burning it. In the past, they've even suggested that the Europeans shouldn't stop importing our coal. And if you take that logic, you can take it through the relationship between North and South quite broadly, I think, with the United States being kind of the leading villain in this story. But uh, I think it's a story that's full of villains. So the United States have pretty much got the system that they always wanted, which was a voluntary pledge and review system. You're speaking to us from KwaZulu-Natal now, where your report states that the province remains in the grip of a severe two-year drought, and KZN's sugar industry has suffered a 23% drop in production as a result. Mills have been shutting down amid losses of some 2 billion rand, or nearly that amount. Is government's response at COP21 good enough at this stage? Well, we we don't think so, and we've also written um, critically on government's INDC. The um, sugar industry is an interesting case in point because uh, the sugar industry is also a big uh, water consumer in the catchment. So the catchment area around places like Greytown feeds into the Hazelmere Dam, which is pretty near empty. Between the sugar industry and the, uh, and the timber industry, they are actually also part of the problem in that uh, they are badly affecting those catchments and hence when you come to a drought year, you know, nobody notices this stuff when, when there's plenty of rain. When you come to a drought year, then that makes a big difference. Over the next two days at the CSIR International Convention Center, South Africa's finest minds are gathering. Joining us on the line is the Director General of the Department of Science and Technology, Dr. Phil Mdwarka. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Phil. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to, to be with you. So, so what's this idea behind a science forum? Well, the idea is uh, that quite often as scientists and as policymakers, we sit and craft policies or we do science that impact on the society. But quite uh, an opportunity to have an open platform where the scientists and policymakers and, and industrialists and maybe most importantly civil society come together to discuss uh, science and its impact on society on a range of topics. So this forum was modeled on a number of uh, public participation or public engagement programs in Europe, which are, uh, is called um, European Science Open Forum, as often the uh, AAAS in the United States of America, which is called the Advancement uh, for um, American Advancement uh, for Science. So. Uh, we are hoping in the next two days the scientists will really openly discuss a range of topics. At the moment, I've just overheard you interviewing somebody about the discussions uh, in Paris on COP21, 
a session where the scientists are looking at what, what would be a, a, the implications of a two degrees mean for the rest of the world and in particular for South Africa and therefore uh, the panelists are discussing something like that. Later uh, in the program we will be having scientists that are uh, having discussion around can science, technology and innovation play a meaningful role in the reindustrialization of Africa and if that's what we want, what should the investments be and how do we go about doing it. So it's quite a variety of topics. Yeah, often we accuse scientists of just talking among themselves, and very often that's because we just don't understand what they're saying very often. I mean, just alone in the climate change debate, if you listen to each side, it's, it's very hard to decide who's right or who's wrong. The climate change skeptics would tell you there's no evidence to support climate change, while the ones that we speak to, the environmental climate scientists, would tell us it's, it's undoubtable. I mean, how easy is it for the public to access these public science forum events? One of the topics uh, and some of the scientists uh, and the way the panel uh, uh, is structured is that we have social scientists, we have humanities, we have people who work in biodiversity work, people in policy. So I think... Dr. Phil, unfortunately, I think your your line is breaking up, but I think you you may be back with us. Uh, Dr. Phil, if if you could start that answer again. I mean, how easy is it for the public to understand what's what's being discussed at the Open Forum? Well, I think it's by involving social scientists, humanities, and I've heard in other worlds, including uh, people in the film, as well as uh, the people in other arts industry, to uh, first simplify the message of what it means. Uh, we from the scientific world, we believe that we have evidence of two things. We have the evidence that uh, the uh, CO2 emissions, that greenhouse gas emissions are going up. We have evidence that the temperature is going up. Uh, we can see the, uh, the impacts of that in the melting of the glacier. So we, we think that scientifically we can, uh, can prove that. But how do you simplify that language? Number one, I think, is the first solution. The second one is um, the variations and the climate change impacts will differ from one part of the world to another one. So the local scientists, in my view, need to find a way of taking what would be a global complex message of what's happening across the globe and bring it closer to what it mean in, in that particular environment. And in South Africa, we invested on something where we used scientific information to produce something which is called a risk and vulnerability atlas, which is a simple tool that tells local government um, uh, policymakers what would it mean for their uh, local uh, um, uh, environment, including uh, private sector 